0: Welcome to the Culture of Cool podcast. Now, here's your host, Tony Alonzo. Tony Alonzo here, Culture of Cool. And I'm with uh, someone who I consider a really kind of cool Detroit guy. And I thought up this rhyme for you, John, today. Uh, This guy is someone I adore, and his name is John (laughs) Clark. So, welcome, John, to the show. I sure about the rhyme. I, I hope you enjoyed that. I worked really hard on it. John, I would love for you to uh, share a little bit about your position and role with the Ford Motor Company. You've been a, a big part of my enthusiast life and a big part in my, my Mustang bullet enthusiasm, and uh, I really respect what you do. But uh, could you please tell the audience a little bit about your, your role at Ford Motor Company?
1: Well, you know, uh, today I serve as the Enthusiast Communications Manager. It's, uh, it's a unique role, I believe, in the auto industry because not too many car companies have any such role, any, any such reason for having a person like that. And I believe the reason Ford does have it is because we have a virtual army of enthusiasts at the company. And we have a uh, hundred and what, you just turn 118 today?
0: 118. Uh, happy birthday, Ford. Today,
1: happy birthday, Ford Motor Company. 118 years ago, we, we created a company that changed the entire world. It didn't change just Detroit or America, putting America on wheels. It put the world on wheels. The idea of an assembly line uh, to make transportation affordable and accessible for every person, no matter what your income level, was a very novel idea. Because back in those days, when the cars first came out, they were only for the rich. And we were stuck with horse and buggy or whatever or walking, so uh Henry Ford uh, changed not only the the world, the map of the world, but it's changed, changed the way how we live and then later on, as it grew to be such a big industry, it built the middle class the the five dollar a day wage you know now the government thinks it can set wages back then, an independent company wanted to have the leading wage in the United States, and millions of people moved to this part of the world to to work at Ford and raise their kids and put them through college. And, and then if building the middle class wasn't enough when World War II broke out, you know, ask any historian. The, the arsenal democracy is what beat the Germans and the Japanese, and the Allies won because of our, our material might. You know, we may have not had the most advanced products, like a Sherman tank wasn't a Panzer, but we had a lot more of them. And you just run out of bullets after a while. And the, the, the B-17, the Willow Run bomber plant that Ford magically put together to build those so quickly, the arsenal of democracy won the war. So we kept freedom because of Ford Motor Company. And it's, 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 and it's a great entrepreneurial story for anybody who still holds uh, to the American dream that you can just come up with an idea and be anything you want to be if, you, if you're smart enough and empower yourself. Rather Absolutely. than have somebody else empower you, or you know, have a law passed to empower you, you're yeah. it's up to you how far you And Henry Ford, as as wild of a person he is, may have been, uh, did all that. So it's a great company, and because we've had all these years of successful products like the Model T, then the Model A, we intoxicated the world with the V eight, with the Model A, uh, <laughs> and that's how the enthusiasm came in the '60s for all the great '50s and '60s Fords. I mean, Fairlane, Galaxy, Thunderbird. And of course, the Mustang. No other company has a legacy of products like Ford does. And that's why we have hundreds of enthusiast clubs. They're, every single Ford vehicle has an enthusiast club. I mean, look at Carlisle Ford Nationals just two weeks ago. I went to the, the Pinto Stampede. They've celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Pinto. The Pinto Club, the National Club, has over 5,000 members.
0: Amazing. And
1: Ford Motor Company, to, to recognize its army of Brand ambassadors, if you will, and and to to create a position where we support clubs and their mission to go forth and preach the Ford gospel. It's a great job. So it's not how I started at Ford 25 years ago. I came through SVT, which was a whole other program in and of itself. And then 10 years at Ford Racing, which was a little bit of outreach and and obviously enthusiasts, which kind of built the program with now with Ford Performance. But to have an enthusiast program to manage the FordPerformance.com website with all the enthusiast content to do that each week and to put out a Fast News e- email newsletter and then on the weekends hang out with people like you, Tony. That's the bomb.
0: It is the bomb. This is why I think you are a cool guy. You have a cool job, but you have a cool background with Ford Motor Company and you also have a cool background as an automotive journalist. I yeah,
1: it's, it's not typical, Tony. Yeah. You know, Ford go after the greatest marketing minds in the world. You go to Ivy League schools, pick, you know, the top of their class. And these people have more degrees from better places than I've ever seen. <laughs> and they're real smart. But they, they may not know how to drive a stick shift. They never busted their knuckles on a set of headers. <laughs> you know, and for me, being a car guy in Detroit and growing up in Detroit and, you know, being involved in the hobby from an early age and, Going to you know, first the Detroit News and wanted to be the auto editor there, then Auto Week magazine was my uh, indoctrination into the hobby and working in Detroit in the shadow of the Rensend for an automotive weekly magazine and being sent all over the world driving everything from Friaris to Piat's, it was an education. But secretly inside I was that, you know, Detroit kid who loved Ford Motor Company and being able to, after all those years as a journalist, to go to Ford and say, Hey, you know what do you do as a journalist? And Tony, think about it. when you write, <laughs> all you want is the car companies to listen to you Then said, "Here's a perspective Absolutely. that if you'd listen to me, these cars could be better." And that's all I did at Auto. I, when I drove a car, this is how I think it could better connect with people. And Ford's really good at you know connecting their cars with people. That's why Mustang's been around forever since they, I mean it's never went away.
0: They sure. So for are. me,
1: going to Ford and being able to be on that team now, and it was it was. A, It was a change because usually Ford was, you know, really nice to me and, you know, wined and dined me and and now I'm just a worker. (laughs) You know, they paid attention to me for that first year and now you're just somebody else. So, yeah, that's a unique perspective. So, I've been on both sides. And then starting with PR, you know, I was a journalist and I had to call PR guys. And then at SVT, I worked PR. So, I knew what the journalists were doing. So, I, I knew both ends of that business. And then being in the hobby all my life and then being members of countless clubs, and then now working with clubs, I've been on both sides of that hobby too. So yeah. no one has to explain it to me.
0: Yeah, you've you've got and, and this is John, this is this is why I you know, have a, a ton of respect and also really value um you know what you do because you've you've worn a lot of different hats. You've been you're you're a car person from the start, and I love hearing your own stories about you know growing up with your dad and such. But I was really fortunate when I first met you back in 2007, and this actually planted the seeds for not only how I would come to want to come back to you when I started working on Mustang Bullet Generations, but also just, uh, of course, you and I knowing each other and just to see the impact of what you're doing has had in the enthusiast community. You helped the International Mustang Bullet Owners Club, IMBOC folks of the time, which was one of the charter clubs for, I think one of your first initiatives at Ford. And you got us involved in, and I detail this in the book, the launch of the 2008 Mustang Bullet. You, in my book, you went to superstar status in my book when you did that. I'd love to know why you thought that was so important and how you kind of wrangled that so that that could happen. We, you know, we were driving around a pilot production 2008 Mustang Bullet, like a like a media outlet.
1: Yeah. You know, that was that was incredible. You know, but at that that time in 07, SVP was disbanded in 06. And I wound up over at Racing because I still uh, had remnants of the SVP Owners Club, which I'd managed try to figure out how to, how to integrate that into what Ford Racing was doing with their Inside the Oval and Team Ford Racing Club. And at the time, I was trying to think, of well, how am I going to take this relationship that I had built with SVT and racing and build a program out of it? Now, how am I going to show value to Ford? Because uh, at the time, they had SVT Enthusiast Magazine. They had Inside the Oval mm-hmm. Magazine. And I had sure. the Enthusiast section of the Ford Racing website. So really, when the Bullet Club sent a note saying, hey, we're going to be in town, is there any way we can go, we, we know you guys have built some, is there <laughs> any way we can see them? Generally, the answer is always no. I mean, right. we would, during the Woodward Dream Cruise, we would try to get clubs walking through Flat Rock and back in the day, you know, Dearborn Assembly to walk through and until one day have an open house, but that was a closed, you know, that's a brand new car there. They had run some prototypes. They were hiding them, actually. And sure. uh, so when I floated the idea to my bosses that well, why would we do that and and cause a leak, and that prompted really Tony the whole discussion on well why don't you have, why don't we create a conduit for clubs to do stuff like this because if we do bring all those bullet owners to Ford and Flat Rock and give them the inside early peak, they then will be the voice, if you will, when the car is launched to say hey yeah we saw it before yeah. it was it was out and you know, your your opinion as a club guy or a car guy or an owner is much more valuable to the rest of the world than than Ford's opinion. So, me writing something as a Ford person or even doing an advertisement is not as powerful as, as third-party validation and verification. So, with that as my ammunition, I, you know, tried to put together a little tour. You guys remember you uh, you said, all right, we're gonna come out. You guys came out in force with your bullets.
0: We did. And we got
1: together the chief engineer at the time of Mustang was a guy named Paul Randall. Yeah. And uh back then Robert Parker was uh well he's now retired, but in running Bronco Nation. But Robert Parker was was the marketing manager and we got mm-hmm. a couple engineers. Yep. And yeah, we snuck the bullet club into Flat Rock Assembly <laughs> and took you out back where we had done some prototypes and pre-production models, we had them all cover. Because we didn't want, you know, back then it wasn't drones were an issue, just any prying eyes. Right. And you guys pulled the covers off of our pre-builds and had nobody less than Paul Randall, the chief engineer, walk you around. The real deal, not a picture. Those were real, you know, prototype bullets. It was. And then we all went to lunch and and chatted about it. And that, in a way, it was a great moment for the bullet club and for you bullet guys and for you, especially, Tony, because you were such an aficionado of that Car, but it also, believe it or not, we planted the seeds into the program I run now, which is Club Connect. It 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 showed Ford the value of having a bringing in a club, and then having you go out and and tell people what a great car we built because you know we listened to enthusiasts when the car was built, and we you know we have enthusiasts within the company. So you really that whole time when you were there and they were public relations was very nervous about uh, mm-hmm. how would you, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah. You, let the secret. you have an online forum. You can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah. We can't fire you because you don't work for us. <laughs> yep. you know, we were so afraid of the leaks and the stuff you saw. Plus, yeah. you remember your group peppered the chief engineer with all kinds of questions. Oh, uh, tons of questions. He, yeah. Remember when he popped the hood and he tried to explain how the hood stamping was uh, mm. to help route the air for the air. You guys were, I mean, you asked billions of questions that before the media even did.
0: Yeah. Before
1: the comm's launched. Yeah. So I thought not only was it cool for you as the Mr. Bullet guy, but and your Mm -hmm. and uh, the group, uh, Vimbach, but also for Ford. And and it was a learning experience for the marketing guys who maybe, maybe what I suggested wasn't such a bad idea.
0: You uh, it, it was a it was a phenomenal program and you definitely, I think, hopefully not only reinforced the point you were trying to make, but you also that day got a bunch of people who became even more connected to Ford. And I know many of the people that were in participation of that certainly were big Ford Mustang enthusiasts, but they're also big Ford motor company enthusiasts overall, you know, and so they speak. That's a key point too, because
1: you know what, what happens if you're just a marketing person and you come to Ford? You, well, why are we talking that somebody bought a '65? They haven't bought a Mustang since 1965. Why? And there are, their hair, their hair is gray, and they, we are mm-hmm. marketing to young people. Yeah. What they don't understand is the enthusiasts who are may have maybe boomers and older. They don't have just the '65 Mustang. They have an earlier Mustang, and their wife drives an Escape or an Edge, and the kids drives a Focus, and they're pulling their car with an F-150. Some of the enthusiast families have four and five and six and seven Fords in their driveway. So these aren't just a long time ago customer who happens to be a brand ambassador wherever they go and they're the king of the water cooler. They're also super customers.
0: Yes, they are. Who
1: are loyal to the brand. And you know, ask anybody who does marketing and sales, if you think it's tough getting a customer, keeping them is even tougher. And if you Mm -hmm. once you keep them and make any customer for life. You have built-in sales. You have built-in stability, which other companies would just die for if they yeah. could get hundreds of thousands of people being their fans and, and their advocates. Absolutely. It's like, you know, um, nothing we've ever seen. It's, it's, you know, in, I guess you'd compare it to Apple phones. Exactly. Which, you know, yep. people are very loyal to their brand or Tesla is trying to build that yep. kind of brand loyalty. Yeah. But, you know, they're being challenged now as well. So it really, Tony, you guys did a service, not for the bullet world only because of the love for the first gen bullet. But the second gen car was all it was all that.
0: And and of course, the third gen. <laughs> yes. No. This is why you so. continue to be cool, man, because the third gen oh. came out and you yeah. were you were there,
1: too. You were there. No, see. When you did, when you came as the watching the second gen, your enthusiasm was super spiked. And you know, there's there's a value to having somebody get excited over one little look at all the the regional Mustangs we did in the '60s and even the into the '70s. Sure. And now the cult following they they almost have a cult following. Tone. They do. And mm-hmm. um, so what you did, you know, it not only spiked your interest to the point where you got out of your you know real life job and decided to start writing about these things, <laughs> but and and to be honest with you, it's a good thing for Ford because your passion for this product, Ford doesn't have employees who go around writing about their products and writing books and that, that that's outside. the the passion is is all on guys like you. So and, and it's not wasn't my job to help journalists. You know, I, I was not in PR. Was, I was I was I a marketing person who was dealing with clubs. And when you decided to write a book, that's PR or archives or but I knew you, and I knew how it is, how hard it is because I've written books myself, and how difficult it is to get anybody within the company. Once you, you need that contact to, to try to open some doors, and Absolutely. without that, I know how difficult it would be. And since I knew you and your your passion, and it was just something I I could do, so I did.
0: You technically you are I didn't
1: get paid for that, but
0: yeah, look at the rewards you can you are to my hero. <laughs> one, no,
1: I, I'm telling you. If Ford doesn't, Ford I'm sure sees the value in in supporting your efforts on doing that bullet book. But yeah, you're right, the, to to think about that second gen and how it was gone for a while. But man, the passion never went away, and Ford kind of felt that, in and thinking maybe we should do another one.
0: And uh, t- timing is everything, of course. And uh, there were uh, rumors of it. Uh, being out there. But you had, and I also was privileged to detail this story, you had a role in one of the biggest marketing coups, I think, where you got one of the actual movie cars linked up with the introduction that was going to be done for the third generation 2019 Mustang Bullet. And again. To the cool aspect of this, you were one of the few people in the world who actually sat in that car and got photographed in that car. So there was evidence that that car really existed, although we didn't know that was going on at the time it was happening. Well, you should, you,
1: how no, did you was- get...
0: How did you get hooked up in that? Now I did write about it in my book, but I want to hear some words. No,
1: and I'm I'm glad I was able to tell you that because you know what happens when how things get to the top of the company is really not the story usually. The story is once it got to the top of the company, what was done. And so that whole story of how it got up there is usually always lost in the shuffle and nobody gets recognized for anything they do. And you know, not that I needed to be recognized, it's just that because people like you, you know, you knew me. And like everybody else, they said, well, if you want to get something at Ford, call John, because he's he understands. He's he the is business. the man. I get,
0: calls, yes. I get
1: calls all the time, Tony, and I've, I've had calls before. Hey, I got the original bullet. Oh, you do. Well, if I like I said, <laughs> if, I, if I had a nickel for a time, they'd only have a buck. <laughs> but when I got a phone call out of the complete blue that I got the original, another one, I got the original bullet. I said, you know, I, you know, after a while, you just don't buy-in I guess because you know for <laughs> 40 years it's been a secret and yeah I knew that I knew Brad Bowling and I knew his story about yep. the original car that it was hidden that it wasn't going to come out and you know and as a, a real journalist who not by today's standards but somebody who was pr- made a promise to someone I will not tell the story until you want me to and sat on that story for decades that Today's journalists are just you know, yeah,
0: clickbait people. So Speaks a lot to Brad, I, for sure. Yes,
1: yeah, so when I heard they got that call, and I, of course, I owed it to myself to check it out, because what a story it would be for FordPerformance.com, and you know, if I could write that piece. But I was very skeptical, and uh, I said, listen, uh, I'll come down there, where are you? It was a little studio outside of Atlanta, and uh, I said, but I, I, they want me at Mr. John Clair Ford Racing could validate the car. I said, I don't do that, because if I go down there and say something then ford's on the hook you know legally
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i said look
1: i would prefer you call kevin marty when they said who's kevin marty I, I realized i had a challenge because yes if you're a ford fan and you know the marty report what kevin marty's done with uh, the data that he has uh, purchased and and for years marketed for ford uh, invaluable stuff so absolutely yeah i went down to atlanta i met kevin down there i was driving a beat up old uh, Cobra jet engine hauler, a little transit, and Mark <laughs> and Kevin shows up in a Shelby, GT, Hertz Shelby. Come on, really? And I'm working I work at the company. What do I drive?
0: Yeah.
1: So we did go, and we sat down with this group uh, who represented now, uh, we, we found out later, Sean Kiernan, and they were going to do a documentary, a diecast, a book, a cartoon, and and we didn't buy it. We were sitting there until they showed the movie part where the Charger smashed into the quarter panel of the Mustang and dented it in. And then take you know so to show you well if you if you even if you bondo that in if you x-ray your car you'll see where the dent is underneath the bondo and you can overlay that over the car and to see that that original dent from the movie is still in the car you know and and it was like it was like but it's biblical flipped. it was yeah. like you it was flipped. like Saint Thomas yeah putting yeah. <laughs> his hand in the side of Jesus you know like, what And we looking at that and say, maybe this is the real deal and then they said well get up we'll go show you and when we saw all the you know looked at the the um the camera mounts the the, the, the all the the changes in the suspension for, where mm-hmm. the exhaust were and yep. all the and then we we saw it and heard the story we said you know oh my god and kevin did have the vin and you know we knew the vin history which one you know was 559 five, and oh my god this is the real deal and of course you know he, once you get to be 60 years old you shouldn't have to be like an 11 year old but i had to sit <laughs> in the same seat that Steve <laughs> but the, the problem tony was is that they had to sign a confidentiality agreement because they did not want us leaking it, and i yeah. said well guess what here's some bad news you have to sign a confidentiality. yeah <laughs> yeah i said for well, what i said because you're not going to release this car oh yes we are oh no you're not <laughs> oh yes we are why wouldn't we release it because if you wait about another two years 18 months we're going to have a new bullet And the best thing for you to do, in my opinion, would be launch your bullet when we launch our bullet, because you would never be able to generate the kind of press that Ford Motor Company can with this car if you if you come along a side of us. Let's launch together. Well, you know that wasn't an easy deal to to seal because they had money invested in time, and you know they had contracts. They had to cancel some stuff, and that was a. And then when I did finally turn it over to Ford Public Affairs. Hey, I explained to him what it was, and I don't know if they r- realized the impact. Mike Berardi did, who is our a director of uh, Ford Customer Service Field Engineering, but a super collector and a super enthusiast. He, I mean, a couple of times, Ford Public Affairs said, no, nah, we don't want to deal with it. I mean, actually would have thrown the whole thing away if it weren't for him stepping in and calling Rajanera, who's head of product and appealing to the enthusiast side of the company. No, you got to make something happen. And so we worked with Sean Kiernan, you know, we got him bullet number two. If you we use the car can we you know it was a lot of back and forth but you know it almost got lost mike berardi saved it in the background and then you know i was never contacted again goodbye i had no idea where it was going to go and <laughs> until i was uh, sean called me and said hey we're going to be at the detroit auto show and launch the car you know that's when i invited myself
0: <laughs> as you and, should and,
1: john and i, and I, I mean, when when the folks from triple horse came up to me and sean came up to me and they they were overheard saying this would never have happened without you, John. Thank you. And then a journalist, a buddy of mine, Rich Seppos, who used to work at Car and Driver or Automobile, came over and said, what, what is that all about? What did you have to do with it? Well, he was the only one I had told. And then when I called you, you said, Man, that's that's why enthusiasts matter. Because going to you, you you know, and then Mike Berardi, those people that saved that, that double launch at the auto show was so impactful. And of course, you know when we went down to Kissimmee a couple years ago when the car was auctioned off the it was a fever pitch over that car probably I don't know about you Tony but think of the most recognized Mustang the most yeah. the number one Mustang of all yep isn't Mustang number one because that's an obscure car it right. may have been the the Mustang that was most seen around the world and that was the, the McQueen movie car yes and to be a part of that lots of fun.
0: Yeah, tons of fun. This is again, this is why you're a cool dude, John, <laughs> because you you had your enthusiast hand in it. You also had your forward hand in it. And the, because of your position and because of, of course, the way sort of stars lined up, you know, it made this moment possible. It's, it's fascinating to me to watch the, the, the links of the chain all kind of form out to you know, see this happen. So I really, well, Tony.
1: Tony yeah. Look at look at the press releases. Yeah. So when you read all this stuff, that, they don't tell any of this. Yeah. So when you decided to write your book, I mean, all this backstory is what makes Bullet cool. it Yeah. Car companies build new cars all the time, and oh, here's how we did it. Blah blah. All oh, great fun and games. That's great, and it's in the press release. Everybody knows it. But when you got involved, it wasn't what everybody knew that you were interested. You wanted to know what everybody didn't know
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes <laughs> one of the stories how how did it get to the Ford story because you know Ford has their narrative and and that wasn't that's why helping an enthusiast like you do a book that backstory is actually what really makes the enthusiast tick well how did that happen and how did yeah. this happen and well tell me about that because that's the when you own a bullet it's not just another car oh we could put a bullet sticker on it right you know it's right. a bullet they they don't know of all of the internal, how how every little piece and every little aspect of all the generations of the, all three bullets were agonized over by people in the company. You know, guys like Nick Turs is there's a million mm-hmm. a lot uh, of people people who yeah. really just just suffered because they they wanted it right and yeah. and they why did they want that because you were gonna look at it and you were an enthusiast they wanted to make you and your club members and the bullet fans happy and if they don't it's a flop it's go. it's like it's like that holden gto that yes. uh that they imported general motors imported. you don't just import a car and then call it something you, yeah. you know that board wasn't going to just put a bullet sticker on that car so yeah. that's why i like helping you because those stories that you explored uh, you know all those you went down all those dark alleys, tony
0: uh it is a genuine pleasure and also again because of your role at Ford, you have a unique view. You also have a lot of connections. And, you know, one of the things that I find very cool about you, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to Club Connect, is you're going out and you've parlayed all of these experiences and your relationships into something which I think is making a mark on Ford and also now and is also maybe helping Ford to be prepared for the future because, of course, things, as you know, are changing in the auto industries. But tell me a little bit about Club Connect and how that program works and how, you know, again, going back a little bit to the first time that you let the bullet people in uh tell us about club connect because that's that's uh, well that's a uh, it's a heck of a program
1: it, well it, it came from from those stories like when you went to see the bullet and having that relationship with the club we did it again when we launched the show taurus i remember showing up at the show Taurus registries national convention and they looked, what is ford doing here yeah we haven't seen you since the 90s (laughs) they knew something was up (laughs) and we we realized that by leveraging the club when you automatically have a fan club who can you know it it enhances the media story on why this brand is back and why this why this car is made It, it, it 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 adds color to this whole story so there was a value to the company there but to be honest with you club connect really was not that the enthusiast manager's job is uh, communications is really the website. Mm-hmm. So my job is to run all the enthusiast content, manage it, find it, write it, edit it, create it, freelance it. Well, however, I get the story told of your club in life and being a Ford enthusiast. That's what they want. And since I was a journalist as an editor in a magazine and ran a magazine as a deputy managing editor, I knew how to do this. And since I'd been in the hobby for so long, I had a lot of people to help me. And i knew mm-hmm. a lot of contacts people that would write and edit so sure. that's the job but here's the problem tony how do i come up with these unique stories that aren't on everything else the ford authority or mustang whatever right there's a million right. there are so how do i do that i mean I, you know i don't want to me you know we're ford we better have the, the story straight so you don't do it from a desk in dearborn mm-hmm. you can't so what I started doing, I said, look, I'm going to do some club outreach. And I, there's an interesting first person here. There's the four C's of, of the Mustang happy. There's the, the clubs. There's the collectors. There is the, the the what I call the characters. <laughs> 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 because every car, I mean, every car club has a character, right? They just do. I. It's not me. It's it's, you know, and, and then the cars themselves. The, so most people go to a car show, they pictures of the cars, done. Well, it's not about that. It's the club, the characters, and the collections, too, because, hey, you go to the club, and you meet this crazy guy, and then you go to his house and say, oh, my God, what's in your basement? It's those things that make the hobby cool. So I started going, uh, getting permission to go out and go do outreach, You know, and I'll give some posters away, set up a meet and greet. I did a couple books, so I became known in the hobby, and it was, a, it was an advantage for Ford to get some attention to our tent talk to the guy who wrote the mustang book blah, absolutely blah, blah, blah. So, and a very good
0: mustang book i love it well, well the first a couple one of that, mustang good mustang books yeah, love the, the
1: first the first one got a second printing and i get pressured a lot to do another one and the second one the second one's funny because a lot of people um that book was originally called mustang confidential how Ford recreates its pony car because we're heading into the sixth gen and you know, the s550 was going to be created and it's kind of like the um book version of the movie a faster Horse.
0: there you go so, yeah
1: All of a sudden, I send it to the publisher and it comes back called Mustang 2015. I say, hey, thanks for the shelf life. (laughs) And then I get complaints. I bought the Mustang 2015 book and read half the book. We're not even talking about the 2015 yet. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm trying to do, what is a, how do you make another one? What is a Mustang? Define it. And then from that, how do you make a new one? That that was the point of Mustang Confidential. Anyway, so by getting out there, and connecting with all these people, I, you know, I created quite a network. And then I created a monster because I work all week, and then on the weekends I got to go go show because they're all on weekends. So I was gone 30 weekends a year working just to get the content right. Yeah. Well, guess what? As I explained to my bosses, the Club Connect program is really not a promotional. You know, somebody well, we're going to use the marketing value and power of Ford to promote clubs and support them and give them. To, that's that's the part that clubs like. For me. It's a relationship management business.
0: Mm -hmm. I knew this president.
1: Mm -hmm. I knew that guy. I want to help your club be successful. And then now with Club Connect, because we're going to put everybody on the map, clubs can find out there's five Facebook pages in their own town they didn't even know existed, that they can invite to their show to make their club bigger and better, make their shows and events. That was the whole point. Connect with each other so that you know the Ford enthusiast footprint is way bigger than you think. It's way bigger than the map of the U.S. with, just the major cities and the major clubs, right? The Facebook pages and the smaller clubs, you know, there are over 800 that I know of, and that's not the Facebook page. Yeah. So if I could get all 800 of those clubs on the map and then all thousands of the Facebook pages, and when you have a show in Cincinnati and you want to say, all right, I'm going to invite the two clubs, and who else should I invite you? Go to the Club Connect map, boardperformanceclubconnect.com. Look, there are 19 other Ford-affiliated groups I can invite, and then guess what? Your show's bigger, better, and you're connected with more people. So that's really the gist of Club Connected. Why the program is created, really, I give credit to Henry Ford III. A lot of bosses didn't. In fact, I had bosses at Ford Racing. I thought it was the dumbest idea in the world to go support clubs. (laughs) They already bought a Ford. They already have a Ford. And I said, well, listen, you you don't understand how it works is they're the ones at the water cooler uh, saying, well, you're in a car club, you know everything about cars. I know my daughter wants to buy a Kia. And they're the if we embrace our clubs, then they will tell that person at the water cooler things like, you know, I don't want to see an Ikea. Uh, there's no fun day in a Hyundai. You don't get a lease on a Nissan. Do I like Toyota? Not one iota. You don't get it. You don't grow fond of a Honda. You buy a Ford. And when they're telling people to buy a Ford, much more impactful than Ford telling people to buy a Ford. And I think there was a hard lesson for. Some of the well, that particular manager was an engineer, not really a marketer, but <laughs> might, uh, might have been it, hard. But a good rhyme, though, John. They, they, That's they, they, why I rhymed
0: yeah. earlier, because you got yeah, that, that cool Yeah, rhyme.
1: you're not going to yeah. be M and the Detroit <laughs> <Apple>. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, but but <laughs> see, a lot of people think M is some kind of candy with a truck. <laughs> I know, well, I know okay, the other. At least you're yeah. not that. Yeah. I so I, the issue was that Ford was looking at the enthusiast program, saying, "Sorry, we're we're now marketing to millennials and a whole new generation of people." And, and I told Henry uh, Henry III, when he mentioned to me about the push for millennial marketing, I said, you don't think I know about millennials? Henry, I'm embarrassed. I know more about millennials than anybody in this office. There's two of them living in my basement. I said, I can make them dance with a $20 beer. Here, go cut the grass. And so I said, I know. About, and I said, oh, by the way, I also know that whatever reconnaissance you're doing, saying that kids aren't interested in cars is wrong. Because if you go to a club, if you go to the ground, and go to a club, you will see young people at those clubs. No, they're not buying a sixty-five Mustang, but they're coming and they're yeah. watching the show. And if we can get the clubs to engage with them at their level, that's gonna be way more powerful than some kind of ad or social media campaign. Yeah. And then I told them it was something really important. I said, Henry, I hate to break this to you, but your marketing to enthusiasts or even just to Ford fans, Barrett Jackson, you go to Carlisle Nationals, Tulsa. You do all the big shows and you have the big semi-tractor, trailer, million-dollar program. That's all fine and good. But did you know that that's only about 10% of the hobby? I said, you know, those guys can write a check to Dave Kindig and say, here, here's 600000 build yeah. me a Chevelle. <laughs> that's not the hobby. That's, that's the upper 10%. So yeah. you're, if you want to deal with 10% of the Ford footprint, the 90% is the rest of the world have one Mustang. They live in their local club. Their whole life is, I'm going to go to my local club's at, annual show at the Ford dealer. I'll go to the cruising at the a root beer stand. I did, And that's their life. They'll never touch Ford. We can never send a tractor trailer at $20,000 a night to a, a little dealer show with 100 cars. You can't do it. Right. So I said, Henry, so if you want to deal with the 10% and give me a little van and a 10 by 10 for a couple hundred bucks, I can go to any town in the U.S., and I'll deal with the 90%, I'll take that.
0: And, and that's how
1: Club Connect was born. You know henry saw that you know yeah i'm dealing with a far bigger footprint than ford's multi-million dollar programs and when i show up at i don't know anderson ford in clinton illinois and they look they see the club connect transit and i'm going to give away posters and hang with them all day it's like the ice cream truck arrived yeah it is it is the a ice touch, cream truck. A ford motor company that <laughs> ford can never make because those people do not go to bear jackson or sema or carlisle their their whole i'm if you don't go to them, they're not gonna come to you. How are you gonna make a touch? You, How are you, you gonna connect? It so means that's the beauty of Club Connect. That's, it, that's the whole point of Club Connect.
0: It means a ton. And I'll tell you why I think it means a ton, especially right now, because of all the changes in the industry, right? Especially since we're talking about electric vehicles and Ford is, is putting money, big money into that. And I know that, you know, between the Mustang Mach which of course is a story in and of itself, and I could probably have you on, John, just for that story alone, but also the Ford F-150 Lightning, which I think is actually a super cool truck and awesome, even though I don't own any electric vehicles. But the the times are changing. You're kind of riding away. So it's good you know millennials, but it's also good you know this industry. And it's also good that you've done this club connect because all of these factors are coming together. So I don't know. What do you think? What's going to happen with all of this?
1: Well, what you know, what, what board doesn't really realize is that there was big pushback on putting a pony on something other than a pony car. And, you know, they did not want to hear it. And they, they believe that, well, it, this is the way we can save this brand by putting it on stuff that'll sell our bigger numbers and be, part, and be able to keep the pony car probably, you know, well, I was told even by Ford executives, well, Porsche built a four-door SUV. And, and the answer was, well, yeah, but they didn't call it a 911. It's not, so the, <laughs> no, they didn't. That's, that's, <laughs> that, and that point sh- right over their heads. And then, you know, the, the other thing is, okay, so Ford has done this before. We had a Thunderbird as a personal luxury sport coupe. And even though it went from a two-seater to four-seater, it kept a personal luxury until it then became what Ford needed to sell at the time big behemoth railroad-tied gigantic car, a little fox body. Yeah. Whatever they needed to sell, they put the Thunderbird down. Well, what did that do? It destroyed that icon. Now, Thunderbird does not have the, panache, and it's out of market. The ditto for the Mercury Cougar, which had its own following, early mm-hmm. Cougars were luxurious pony cars. Sure. And if you talk about a Cougar to a collector, you're thinking, wow, I want a 68 or you know, right. a 69. Yep. Even if you push this to the 73 Verts, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, once they started putting Cougar on, You know mid-sized cars station wagons with wood grain on the side you can get a cougar a fox body a front wheel drive contour whatever they needed to sell they put that name on cougar's name is lost it's you know you only have an icon once and then you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube after that that. so the issue was there was a lot of pushback Ford said well you know the the answer was well if we're going to continue to build this car that we don't sell enough of them to make it viable right on their own platform although Enthusiasts will say, "Well, General Motors never made a truck out of a Corvette just to sell. Even when they sold forty thousand Corvettes, that's right. That's the price you pay for an icon. You just figure it out, yep. and you don't hang hang that pony on somebody else's budget." I get all that, and so because I get that, and I also understand what Ford needs to do. It's important to have the clubs be the buffer, and you know, we lost a lot of enthusiasts. So a lot of people who were vibrant Ford fans don't buy into the marketing. Yeah. So, and and even Bill Ford himself, when we first en- um, embarked on the EV world, said, you know, we're going to go into the EV with both feet. We're jumping in. And he said, I hope the customers go with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: so that kind of tells you th- the world isn't it's all set in stone. And if it weren't, yeah. And somebody said to me, Colclar, well, if you push back against this, then you're just, uh, you're an old fart. You're an dude. old guy. You're, you're yeah. an old guy who who is against change. And he said, you'd be yeah. the guy who... <laughs> argued against the Model T because your horse and buggy is better. And I said, you know what I said, Tony, Tom, you're wrong. Because the difference between the Model T and the horse and buggy is that the government didn't give you an incentive to buy a Model T. That's right. They didn't make hay impossible to buy or cost so much hay that you had to buy the Model T. That there was the, it wasn't a political choice. It was the market's choice that the car was a better deal than the horse. And it, it's actually a better way to get around. Today, when the government gets involved and we don't have the infrastructure, or we raise prices of you know, petroleum so much that it makes cars too expensive, the bottom line is it's going to be a matter of fact where this has happened before without the infrastructure, it's going to be a difficult jump. And the investment should have been first in the infrastructure so that it's all there. Then to move to EVs makes sense. Whether or not it's actually a lower carbon footprint is arguable. It's, it's, you know, matter cannot be created or destroyed, it just changes forms. So where, where, how you get the energy, if it, whether it's a coal-powered plant or even if it's nuclear, you've got to get it from somewhere. So the carbon footprint and batteries and lithium is a huge issue. The, the cost of building those things, there are fewer parts. That's good news. But the bottom line is it hasn't all been sorted out. So to jump in and say, no, that's the winner in 10 years, we're going to do this, maybe kind of premature, but the enthusiasts aren't going to let go. The good thing is Ford and the government can run that all they want the enthusiasts run the hobby yeah so guess what you decide what you're going to collect you decide what you're going to buy and you know the only way that it it becomes leaning towards one side or the other is when it becomes economically punitive to to own a, a, a right ice engine so right. i'm in the middle of that yeah not a fun place to be people say what do you think of the marquee and i say <laughs> flat out my favorite line is we had a marquee before you're from New York. We had a Mookie Marquis Bohan. My dad had a Marquee and a closed headlights. So I to, So that's what I tell him. And uh so it's a it's a
0: and those I, I did I did like the headlights closing and opening. I, I yeah, think I still that. think that's yeah, cool. Dark, yeah.
1: My dad had a Marquis Broham, a uh, dark green metallic. It
0: was like it was the size of a you could land an F sixteen on it. I, I gotta say, yeah, they're they're uh, they're definitely uh, quite. I wish uh, I had it enormous. I yeah. wish
1: I had that car still. Uh, but uh, so yeah, and the young people seem to be excited about it, and which is great. But again, if we're going to the, the thing is that when it does create a following, and it will, and there'll be the Mach-E Club, then we engage with them rather. You know, we don't seed the Mach-E Club if there's yep. you can't fake passion. You yeah. can't fake enthusiasm, and talking heads are the worst thing a company ever did. What you do is you have real enthusiasts who tell your story better than you can, and when that happens to this new vehicle, or the Lightning, or the new Maverick pickup, I like got a lot of Maverick owners killing you, yes. like, Maverick, Yeah, Maverick. should have called it what a courier. Happened? Yeah. <laughs> a courier. <you> know. <laughs> what can I say? All I tell them is they will have their own following, and when they do, we'll embrace with them, and we'll. Our goal is to bring them into the Ford fold and understand those cars just like our your bullet is they're going to have their own passionate following and and our, it's our job to support anybody who follows keeping this 118 year old company innovating and and building the best cars and trucks not only the cars and trucks that deliver a, a brand promise but ones that create a unique relationship with their owner. Tony, you look at your car different than just another piece of machinery. Oh, yeah, there's for something sure. There's some kind of fondness. You have this this eerie like love. You have a feeling <laughs> so, when you sit behind the wheel.
0: You feel good. You do. You do. Some people might d- say that's pathological, but <laughs> um, yes, you do. And I had to ask that question of you, John, because you know I feel like I'm watching a big history turning point here in the the industry and. I'm watching what's going on with the hobby. And, and wow. it, again, I think back to, you know, what you did for us, bullet owners at the time, that was kind of a bit of history that, that I got to experience. Well, now it's another one. And you've seen a lot of things with your experience over the years, the different roles you've had. And it's, it's, Going to be interesting. So, I, I can appreciate <laughs> that you are in the middle of a bit of a storm and well, yeah. uh, you're trying to uh, figure out how to surf the waves with all this. Yeah. yeah. yeah
1: and, and it's going to happen in the hobby as well. You know, I have the I gloom and doom people coming up to me. Oh, oh these kids, they don't, can't drive a stick. They, open the, they don't even know how to open the hood. They go to Quickie Lube. They have not, there's no interest in cars. They care about uh, video games and cell phones. I said, you know what? That it's our it's our job as fans of the automobile and mobility to get them interested in this and bring them to a car show and hang with them and show them the joys of this camaraderie we have. And when they see that, because you know they they because of social media they kind of destroyed their ability to interact with other live humans. Yeah. So they're living in basements and playing games. <laughs> Everybody's a big hero on social media and they talk all kinds of smack, but people aren't usually like that. They, they you know if they get interactive and they actually see a person face to face it's a different human experience we are social beings, so i think the car clubs play a role and as the hob the hobbies move before i remember remember hot rods were the biggest thing oh Oh, hot rods yeah oh Oh, and the american graffiti movie and john milner and his 32 yes well those cars now that unless you're 70 or 80 nobody's really collecting those are they're relics and yeah. then the fat fendered cars, the 50s, or like a 56 Crown Victoria, or
0: yeah. My, yeah. my
1: first car, a 57 Ford, the beautiful 50s, the chrome, the stuff that Gail Halderman worked on when he was young. Those cars, are there's still a following, but there's fewer and fewer of them at shows. And then, you know, when it came to Mustang, all the, it was always the first gen. You, then the second gen was the bastard redheaded stepchild. You can't be in the club. <laughs> then, then the third gen, what happened to the third gen? It yeah. was a. As a doorstop. It's a wedge shaped uh, <laughs> yeah. who made the fox body. How did that happen? And then when the SN95 go well, it's more like you know, that looked like a must. So each one has its own folly and they're moving through the chain right now. Like right now, yeah, you know, second gen cars are hot, and the hottest is the fox body. Go find a yes. unmolested, like a five-o five-o notchback, you can yep. get a fortune for them because the collectors are at that age now where they wanted that 50 notchback that they didn't get when they were in high school. Right and move through the hobby what's going to happen to it you know they'll still be a uh, reverence this was our, our heritage in in automotive world is the gas engine and people as long as we can you know, afford it people will still love these because these are relics of design and beauty and we have some I mean Mustang is still Mustang is still beautiful a new a 65 Mustang is still in commercials today because it's still cool
0: yeah it is cool and it is cool, just like you, John. <laughs> and uh, we, we thank Gail Halderman, of course, for his design sketch and all the cool that came from that. Oh, gosh. But you, uh, you have, uh, and again, I, I could probably talk to you for the next 10 hours, John, and we could go on and jawbone about all kinds of problems that maybe neither one of us collectively could solve, <laughs> even though we might think we have the answer. But, I must say this, I really think that you have been witness to and have been influential in something that I consider extraordinarily cool with what you do at Ford and what you have done for Ford and what you do for enthusiasts, and you have been also a part of the story of you know so many different enthusiasts experiences just by the nature of your relationships that you've formed and i rue the day john when you decide uh you know i'm gonna go hang it up and go to my private island because i'm done with this yeah but, it's uh, uh
1: belle isle in detroit belle isle is
0: yes the only place to be on an you know, island I, if you're in detroit yeah
1: tony it's really a matter of as long as the company values this this army of enthusiasts and i and i can i'm gonna ride this wave until i base plant in the sand uh <laughs> as long as we can go it, because I believe in, you know, you and all your friends and people like you who, who got this passion by an automobile, by an experience you had with Ford, whether it was with me or, or some other program. And then because of that, now you've been inspired to now tell the Ford story and not just, you know, Ford telling it, it's you and your experience and meeting all the people in the bullet world and all the, the stories that, that really enhance when you buy a, like a car like a bullet or any really any Mustang. My, I had an old saying back when I tried to start this 25 years ago, every Mustang has a story and every person mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. a Mustang story. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to own a Mustang. Every person, you you, better, right. you could have been your boyfriend in high school, your uncle, the guy down the street on the, every person has a Mustang story. And, and you can't say that about a Nissan Altima. You know
0: what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, haven't found the Nissan Altima Club. They, maybe they're not, out there, but I, I, I and, you know seen the, that,
1: yeah. why we live this life of uh being a Ford fan of a thumbs up and why you're spending all your time and effort to dig up all the backstories of all the passion. There's a lot of men and women at Ford who who had, had given their heart and soul in making Mustang that connection that you feel when you get into it. And to this day, I went and got uh my uh my uh, 06 convertible serviced and just getting it back out and hearing the rumble of the cams and just driving it again. I couldn't help but just to smile. It's like,
0: yeah, it's, I do uh,
1: smile when I drive my, my sister-in-law's Chevy. You know, yeah. I just don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, uh, it's Disney World it's special, every time you start the key.
1: Yeah, it's a special thing. And, and I, again, th- I appreciate all the kind words about me, but I, I do it because of people like you. And if, if we didn't have people like you, then Ford wouldn't pay me a nickel because there's nobody to talk to and there is no story to tell. So it's like I tell say, "Oh, thanks for coming to our show and our meeting and you you spent 2 hours with the Q&A it was all wonderful hearing the stories. Thank you for coming." And I said, "No, no, thank you for coming because if I came here and there was nobody here,
0: I'm fired." <laughs> <laughs> there would, uh, that I got you into. do make a good point there, John. You do make. It's a good point.
1: you. So the bottom line it ain't about me. It's it's all about our our loyalists and all of the fans and it, it's you know, it's the least I can do in the, you know, yeah, could I sit home and just do the do the website? That's what I get paid to do, but I'm not going to be very good at this. And I'm, what am I? What's the legacy of my job going to be? That, so I did a website. Billions of people do that, but what what are we doing for the hobby? What are we doing for our fans? And what how do we create Tony Alonzo's to go now? Wow, I want to. Get, is that true? I'm going to write a book and to get the, and then find those people and tell the stories that don't get told. That's the difference. So if I can help you and, and all the folks in the Bullet Club or any other club. You know, whether, it's, you know, I spoke at the Pinto Club. I spoke at the T-Bird convention last year. I'm a, I'm a historian. I love all the Ford products. I'm not well versed on every one of them, but I love them all. And if, like I said, Tony, what you do is the real Lord's work. I just try to shine a light on it.
0: Well, we thank you, every one of us who's had the chance to interact with you. Thank you for that. And again, I will go back to my rhyme as we close out here. Maybe I'll just a little flourish. He ain't no fool he's really cool uh there's no one who i adore more than john clore how about that <laughs> would that get me in? that's a that's a that's a score yeah
1: that's just all i ask, to have all your listeners check out fordperformance.com and the click on the enthusiast section or better still if you're at a club member or if you have a facebook page you go to FordPerformanceClubConnect.com, FordPerformanceClubConnect.com. Look on the map. If you're not on the map, hit register. It's free, it's fast, it's easy. And you get on the Ford map and be somebody, get connected with the rest of this world. You can check out our Fast News eblast on Club Connect. You can get your t-shirts registered with licensing and you can interact. And now we're gonna be launching an all Ford vehicle registry based on your VIN. We're gonna build this social platform and all Ford people need to come together and connect. Because we're cooler than everybody else,
0: (laughs) that they are. And
1: I know in today's world that offends people. I would like to say I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. (laughs) Cooler than everybody else. If it offends you, then just go buy something else right now. You don't understand the beauty and joy it is to be a Ford owner. That's it. It is.
0: It is is a wonderful thing, John. Thank you so much for your time. And again. again. Please. let's pick
1: a topic let's do it again i love talking mustangs awesome. i'll dig out all my i got a few books and archival things you that
0: I do can. have a few books uh john has written a few but he uh he collects a few he's got quite a few uh i try to have
1: every collection. mustang book ever written and don't tell my wife jenny because there's 200 of them downstairs she's never seen so <laughs> this is just what i'm showing in the office and this goes another 12 feet of this book of sh- this yeah. <laughs> so keep uh, writing tony keep out there t- telling the ford story and i'll do everything i can to help you buddy.
0: we will do we will do that john thank you again and culture cool concludes today with again a very cool cat so uh thank you again john appreciate it so you much you got it see you, tony thank you thanks for listening to the culture of cool podcast we'll see you next time and until then
1: stay cool